Listen, across the manganese sands, can you hear it? Past the factories, rusting in the hydrochloric winds, do your bones shake with it? From the tower that flies triumphant, sorcery over an alien science, can you hear it? Listen, hear the sounds of war. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 35th episode of Stranger by the Dozen weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? It took me a few tries, but I finally nailed that intro. All right. Yeah, man. The yeah, sounds 20, of war. 20th time is the charm. <laughs> hey, it's it's uh, partially hurt by my um, uh, writing <laughs> it down. You know, that's how it goes. It's all good. <laughs> Anyhow, you can find this show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or any fine podcast app. You can contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for strangerbythedozen, and on our podcast network site uh, at uh, cradaline.com. So, I guess let's just dive right in here. You know, we just finished um, the Into Shambhala um, graphic novel, and there's actually a little bit more stuff that's kind of a, uh, a that will be referenced in the uh, Doctor Strange movie last year, which I think is, it continues to be pretty fun, just when they show up and stuff. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Also, this week, we're going to have one sort of self-contained um, Marvel fanfare issue with a really um, top-flight um, creative team, followed by sort of the last hurrah of Doctor Strange's solo second solo comic before he joins Cloak and Dagger in the pages of Strange Tales. Although, oh, dang. we'll also I, I actually... Miss, okay? Uh, I will miss Solo Strange. You know, we'll get it back event- yeah, eventually in about like a year and a half or something like that. And, right. you know, until then, we're going to get some interesting Cloak and Dagger stuff going on. We'll actually have a little bit of Cloak um, in a couple ways over the course of this episode. So, you know, there's things to be excited for, for sure. But that takes us to our first comic of the episode, Marvel Fanfare 41 from December 1988. Uh, this one takes this one. This comic is from a little bit in the future, from where the rest of our comics are this month, with our sort of from uh, basically sort of mid to late 1986. But there's a lot of these sort of late 80s comics that have to take place before Doctor Strange, um, before the Solo Strange comics end, just because of the events that happen at the end of Solo Strange, as we'll see. Right. So, um, this, so uh, this story's called Perchance to Dream, and it's written by, Walt, by Walter Simonson with art by Dave Gibbons, edited by Alan Milgram. Uh, Walter Simonson's probably best known for his work with Thor in the 80s, and uh, Dave Gibbons is probably best known for doing the art for Watchmen. But listeners to Cradline Podcast Network show Space Spinner 2000 will know him as a regular artist for 2000 AD for such thrills as Harlem Heroes, Dan Dare, and Robusters. That, that's some solid cross-promotion there. Yeah, man. Worlds are colliding. <laughs> so... <laughs> We start with a uh, with a dark and stormy night. Doctor Strange lying around the Sanctum Sanctorum. He can't sleep because of the thunder and stuff. Uh, I mean, if it you know thunder in New York City, that that would seem like it would be kind of a thing. I have no idea what the weather patterns in New York City are. I must admit, neither uh, do I. 
<laughs> but at this point, at least, it's thundering and lightning enough that Doctor Strange has to get up and just sort of, you know, puts on the uh, put. And it must be like 4 a.m. because he's just like, I'm just going to put on my clothes and watch TV or something like that. But instead... <laughs> I mean, I, I applaud him for like putting on the full getup, just like you know, head downstairs and watch some TV just to get yeah. back to sleep. He's got the full cloak and everything, and it's a good thing too because as he goes downstairs, he bumps into a galdern green ninja. Oh, I oh, hate when ninjas dang. attack me. Uh, he manages to zap the ninja pretty easily with a, just a bow. He like dissolves him. Yeah, um, a, a bow zap is a good zap. Yeah, so it's a zap you don't see all that often either. <laughs> it's true. So Doctor Strange uses his. Um, he's like, "Where'd this assassin come from?" When I zapped him, he completely disappeared. So he uses some uh, inverse, an inverse revivification spell to bring the assassin back to life and retrace his step backwards through a magic portal. Doctor Strange follows through the magic portal and finds himself in the middle of a mysterious city with a hue with a strange vibrating sound would you say that dr strange is turning back time um i don't know if he could find a way honestly specifically for for this one piece of thing much like one would do with an apple just saying oh you're going for assassin's creed references whereas i was going with i was going going with uh, share references (laughs) no this is like a straight up reference from the dr strange movie oh yeah that's true too hey what do you know when he's uh, turning time on the the apple and stuff. Fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah. No, in this case, he just he only reverses time for this dead guy coming back to life and going through a portal. <laughs> yeah. He enters into the portal and he sees a strange and massive city that seems to be mostly abandoned. It's like the big things about it, besides it being like sort of you know sinister and abandoned, is that it's actually really like warm and dark. And as Doctor Strange sort of flies around the cityscape and, like, checks out the buildings, he's like, Ooh, it's nice. I'm just gonna maybe, you know, take a nap on this building. And he's like, Ah! What what am I doing? (laughs) Something weird's happening. I've been enscrolled by an illusion. I gotta cast a light spell with a mighty bwarm. So so this is the city of naps, then. That's what I'm hearing. uh, A... A suspicion confirmed when suddenly Doctor Strange is attacked by Nightmare. Oh, man, this guy. Evil god of naps. (laughs) Or so it seems, uh, you know, Nightmare starts to zap Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange begins to fight him. And then Doctor Strange is like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I flew here. I didn't go to sleep and then end up here. And Nightmare can only appear in the realm of dreams. So this guy's got to be an illusion. And he zaps Doctor Strange and he zaps Nightmare away. But as he does, Nightmare's body morphs and changes to suddenly become eternity. <laughs> oh yeah, reverb. Yeah, the uh, the personification of time and space we actually haven't seen for a long time. Now that I'm yeah, thinking about been, it, he's been like not present for quite some time. I guess he's been out there doing just sort of eternity <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, being all of time and space. It's true. So, yeah. e- so eternity has called has apparently called Doctor Strange back. Like, all right, like you're, it's time for you to become one with the universe, buddy. I'm just gonna grab you and absorb you. And Doctor Strange is like, hmm, <laughs> like 
that I don't I don't feel ready to become one with the universe. I gotta say, like I know my level of in, what my level of introspection is, and it has not become one with the universe level yet. I'm and, just gonna go ahead and throw this out there. This this place doesn't really seem the the kind of stomping grounds for somebody like I don't know eternity. Yeah, that's definitely Doctor Strange's feeling. He's like one. I don't feel ready to become one with the universe. Two. I just saw an illusionary nightmare. Why would I assume that the illusion stopped there? And so he casts another light spell. This one's kind of a scrack light spell. <laughs> and banishes the uh, this faux eternity as well. Faux-ternity. <laughs> <laughs> so Doctor Strange now sort of wanders around the city. And I should mention through this whole, these whole series of events, through both Nightmare and Eternity, there's been sort of a... Going on in the bottom of the screen, just like the letters M and U over and over again. Right, right, right. Um, As Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange finally is able to hear it and hear it sort of being piped in through the city. And as he does, he receives a like mental voice, sort of says, like you know, "Well played, sorcerer. You have begun to sense the essence of the problem." And so quickly, right? Like, there's an actual real voice in his head. And as he perceives what's making it, he makes a pretty big revelation, Drew. What's that? This city and the streets that he's on and stuff. Not so much a city on a planet as it is a bunch of real weird nodules growing out of the back of a giant monster guy. Oh, wow. That thing is weird looking. Yeah, he's like a weird giant dude you know, hairless and stuff, and just yeah. growing out of his out of his back or a, a, a futuristic cityscape of abandoned buildings and stuff. And he's basically, and this sort of psychic voice in like a green word bubble is talking to Doctor Strange and being like, hey, like you have temper, tampered in things that you aren't ready for, Doctor Strange. Um, you know, I'm your enemy, and now I'm hungry, and soon I will wake and destroy you. And Doctor Strange basically says, uh, that sounds bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this seems like bad times. Maybe, you know, we should do something about this. Yes, he, well, Doctor Strange does. He casts some more spells, flies down to the face of this giant monster, and casts it, and casts a spell, striking with all he possesses with kind of a karoom kind of a spell. <laughs> As he does... The giant opens his eyes and green light pours out from them. Doctor Strange tries another strike, but as he does, he's encapsulated in a gold circle and then gets eye-beamed into oblivion, his whole body being destroyed and all that stuff. Oh, dang. Doctor Strange is destroyed and the giant city monster begins to um, gloat. Be then perhaps as he's a giant city monster that sleeps for millennia, um, <laughs> think that perhaps the attack by Doctor Strange was just a dream in and of itself. And then his eyes slowly close and he goes back to sleep again, making the hmm sound. Yeah. As we pan around the city, we finally see, oh, it's Doctor Strange. He casts a spell to duplicate himself, which is pretty dope. That is and, pretty cool. Uh, basically sacrificed, you know, made a fake version of himself to get killed by the big monster so that he could then escape 
<laughs> and sort of, you know, convince the monster is a big dream and then sort of return back to the sanctum as he does. He le- he seals the gateway behind him with a uh, with a magic or magic with a K, buddy. That uh, uh. will seal this doorway forever, and you know, remove all traces from it, so, that, so this giant city-backed guy doesn't come looking for Doctor Strange at a later date. Anyhow, with uh, the sleep with the giant city sleeping city monster uh, mollified and cut off from reality. Doctor Strange returns to the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, undresses and goes to sleep, making sure as he does to, as as the sun rises, he leaves a note telling Wong that he's decided to sleep in that day. He needs to work on his nightmares. Uh-huh. And then we pan out, and that's the end of Doctor Strange, buddy. Just a nice little uh, crazy sleeping cityscape Doctor Strange story, you know. Yeah, sure. I've seen worse, whatever. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah, and then the rest of this uh, Marvel fanfare is a bunch of pinups by various artists and stuff that are uh, pretty dope, actually. Nope, these are cool. Mostly, uh, yeah, but by uh, Mike McLaren, who is a uh, a big of um, Avengers um, artist and stuff. Anyhow, let's move on. Enough of these quick stories, Drew. We got to yeah. get to the meat of this episode, and that is so both Solo Strange. And some dude making out with a crazy Medusa lady. Drew, don't make uh, out with Medusa ladies. I can't stress it enough. I just, I make it a point in my life not to. Uh, you're thinking about it <laughs> as we go well, to now. I am Doctor Strange seventy six from April nineteen eighty six. What song the sirens sang? Uh, Peter B. Gillis writer, Mark Badger breakdowns, Chris Warner pencils. Randy Emberlin Inks, Bob Sharon Colors, Janice Chang Letterer, Carl Potts Editor, Jim Shooter Editor-in-Chief. So we speak, we, we uh, start briefly in sort of a mystic realm where, you know, you got a Medusa lady sort of looking at a crystal ball held by another uh, crazy snake thing. Uh-huh. Uh, the Medusa lady, um, or Iorio, I suppose is her name. You know, she's got green skin. She's got snake, um... Snake hair, but it's more like, like it's more sort of worms, I guess. Like they don't really have like a snake face; they just kind of end in a circular toothy maw, and then she has similar toothy maws on the palms of her hands. In her crystal ball, she sees a face of a, I'd say, just sort of a regular guy, uh, Daryl Berenson, who is a uh, a doctor in New York City, of course, who is a pretty big jerk. <laughs> We sort of see him showing up, um, coming out of like an operating theater, and as a grateful wife is like, oh, you've saved my husband, he's like, oh yeah, no problem, Uh, FYI, your last, um, or have your insurance company uh, talk to you about about payments, they've been really terrible about paying me on time. Jeez. So, you know, jerky, and Ayuriel decides that this is the human man for her. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. She sent uh, through her crystal ball. She sends a bunch of uh, mystical golden snakes that only he can see, which draw him into a bookstore in New York City, and to a specific sort of big red leather book that is written in a language that no one can understand. Uh, as the uh, as the shopkeeper explained, it's written in a language no one can understand, and it's going to cost at least three hundred bucks. And he's like sold. Or Daryl is sold, I should say. Right. He buys the book, drives back home. 
Um, his wife greets him, and they're clearly in like a, uh, I want to say like a loveless marriage, or that's what Daryl's internal monologue is. Like, it's not that he didn't like his wife; it's just that they don't have a they don't have a point of contact anymore. They, uh, you know, she's bringing him down and keeping him from being happy with his life. Man, he's got a oh. needs to find a new relationship, perhaps a new relationship with a young lady with snake hair. Man. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Got a midlife crisis of the supernatural kind. Nice. So uh, he excuses himself from dinner and takes the book up to, like, his secluded study. And as he looks up into the sky, feeling more alive than ever as his magic book begins to glow, we cut to Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum, where we see immediately that Doctor Strange is a huge jerk because he's got a giant framed uh, picture of himself over his mantelpiece and fireplace. I mean, don't don't you? I mean, I think a lot of people have pictures of other people um, over their mantelpieces instead of of themselves. But who am I to question the Sorcerer Supreme, right? Yeah, man. He's all also, about, you know... He's all about yeah. one person, and that's himself. That's definitely the Doctor Strange I've come to know, I think, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> also in the drawing room is uh, Sarah Wolf and Wong, who's bringing tea, and uh, our new friend Topaz, who we just, you know, recovered from the depths of hell uh, last issue, or I guess last episode, you know. But Topaz is this late, you know, she's a, a blonde lady of standard comic book lady build, if you know what I mean. <laughs> She's right. got kind of red eyes, and she's a character previously from Werewolf by Night, a previous uh, supernatural Marvel comic, and has sort of spent some time in Tomb of Dracula and other things like that till she died, was in hell, etc. Now she has trouble sort of relating to things because while part of her soul escaped from Hades, another part of that soul is still missing, and Doctor Strange has kind of um, promised to help her. But she's sort of talking about how her missing soul is messing her up. It's making her not be able to feel things. Not even this. And she just stone cold makes out Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is like... You have to understand, Doctor, I can't feel feelings anymore. And Doctor Strange is like, whoa, like, I got at least one... I got one one current girlfriend and one ex-girlfriend who is the queen of an alternate dimension and maybe jealous. So you gotta chill out, lady. <laughs> As this occurs, um, Daryl Berenson's wife, who we saw previously, comes in or knocks at the door of Doctor Strange. Apparently, you know, Doctor Strange being a doctor, she, she, she sort of knows his name, that he's been involved in the occult and stuff. And she and Daryl needs a mystic or occultist or something like that because of his current situation. He's disappeared and only Doctor Strange can find him. Huh. Um, Doctor Strange is like, well, you know, I don't know why you would go to me and not to the police. And yeah, this seems more like a missing persons case. Yeah. That and seems she, like they're more their forte, uh, you know. Totally. That out there. Yeah, and Doctor Strange, yeah, so she's like, uh, there's certain things going on with his disappearance that mean the police are not the best options. Maybe you should just uh, come back to the house with me and you can check it out. And Doctor Strange is like, fine, I suppose. Uh, let me I, get my overcoat, quote unquote. I guess there can't be anything weird about this whole situation. So they go back to the Berenson house and inside uh, Daryl's study. Well, there's a big pentagram on the floor with burnt stuff and things like that. But mostly 
you're going to want to make a note of the giant purple root system that has erupted from the floor and ceiling and engulfed the entire um, engulfed the entire room. I mean, I was going to say something, but I kind of figured that most people had that kind of thing in their in their study. No, I'd say this is unusual study behavior, buddy. You sure? <laughs> Doctor Strange uses his um, you know, uses the eye of Agamotto to search around. He finds some cool stuff. Uh, like he find like he sees some magic done or some uh, that Daryl's done some magic involving his old wedding pictures. And that the book has apparently been like blasted and destroyed, and the ash of it's all over the place. But Doctor Strange can re- see parts of it and uses mystic parts to try, use spells to try to reconstruct it a little bit. Actually, again, shades of the movie, I suppose. Um, mm, turning back time for pages of a book, eh? I'm starting to think that like a fair amount of the Doctor Strange that they decided for the Doctor Strange movie, let's just take a bunch of stuff from this mid '80s Doctor Strange stuff that no one reads anymore and is very hard <laughs> to find, actually. <laughs> but anyhow, Doctor Strange reading the reading the um, recover restored page of the book basically has a lead, and he runs out the house, uh, zapping away his mystic disguise to reveal his usual Doctor Strange outfit as he does, leading him to start scanning the sewers of New York City as he basically um, monologues to himself that like the spell that Daryl has cast is incredibly dangerous, and he has to try to help him because... He feels a certain kinship to Daryl because they're both sort of doctors that have felt that have had some sort of loss or feeling of loss and then have turned to the occult for answers. And so he's like, oh, that's kind of like me or whatever. But I, you know, went sorcerer supreming instead of instead of pursuing snake ladies. Yeah, but it really shouldn't do that. It's just bad times. But basically to cast the spell or like. Daryl's apparently cast the first part of a spell. Now he's got to cast a second part. But to cast the second part, it's got to you got to cast it from the deepest place you can possibly get to. And in this case, it is a tunnel being dug um, in up in uh, up in Harlem in in Manhattan, where there's like a big like yeah underground tunnel system. Blah blah blah. Doctor Strange flies up and pursues Daryl, finding him at the end of the partially uh, constructed tunnel on this big wooden pier surrounded by candles and a loincloth reading from this book. I mean, that's not weird at all. That's That sounds like my typical Saturday night. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Doctor Strange tries to stop him, but before he can, Daryl completes the spell. He opens up a gateway that is... Look, I'm, I'm going to level with you guys. This gateway, the, ed, the edges of it are all uh, teeth. <laughs> and coming from the inside of it is the floating uh, hot green bod of Irule with, um, you know, her snake hair float, flooding, reaching out her claw-mouthed hand to Daryl. Like, please, like, come with me. You know, we'll have true love or whatever. And Doctor Strange gets in the middle of it, because that's what Doctor Strange does. Yeah. He uh, is a C-blocker. <laughs> <laughs> this leads to a big mystic fight between Doctor Strange and Irule. The two of them go back and forth and blow people up. He basically says that, um, Doctor Strange basically says, like, ah, oh, you've, what you calls it, you know, you've messed with Daryl's mind and forced him to become your love slave, and that's not cool. And she's like, no, that's not, uh, true at all. He chose of his own free will, and I just magicked him up a little bit, and, like, you know, how it goes. As they fight, 
and Dr. Sh- and they and yell at each other. Uh, Daryl making the terrible choice of go- of going around this tunnel thing just barefoot in his loincloth uh, picks up a broken bottle and actually s- and stabs Doctor Strange right in the back. That's this distracts Doctor Strange and allows I um and uh, allows I I Rulier to bi- bind him with the golden serpents as. Uh, Daryl goes up to her and the two of them, like, you know, hold hands and her hand mouths bite his palms and then they make out and stuff. This <laughs> but, is really weird. I mean, not super weird, but just really weird. It's pretty weird. As um, I, I'm pretty sure that there's somebody out there who's like, yeah, that's that's my thing right there. This is, I mean, because it, it didn't have the, uh, the full reach, but this is sort of a uh, Disney's Robin Hood sort of thing in terms of potential, in terms of a fetish potential in an impressionable young person. But yep. <laughs> as they make up, as they make out Dr. Strange powers up to super golden doctor. He basically goes super Saiyan Dr. Strange and nice. b- blasts Irule back to her own dimension through the gateway um to be sealed forever by the wa- by the warders of the dark, by the Valentine's holy spark, by the rings of Ragador. Come you not where sun does rain. Banish now from mortal plain. Prey on humankind no more. And she gets tossed back through the toothy portal, which closes and disappears forever. And Daryl is distraught. He tries to run away, but uh, trips. And man, he's just kind of a overweight. Uh, middle-aged guy in a loincloth rot, 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 run around in the in the muck of this tunnel thing, and it's it's real embarrassing. Yeah, uh, yeah, he should like reevaluate some some key points of his life at this point. Yeah, Doctor Strange just says like, "Hey, man, like, listen, you've been possessed by a demon for a little bit. It happens to everybody. You should go back to your life, and you'll be fine." And he's like, you know, like, my life is terrible. Like, you know, yeah, I'm rich and I have a wife that loves me, but I'm not fulfilled, man. I was gonna make it with a crazy green lady from beyond the stars, and you stopped that. And I've never been so angry. I'm inconsolable. And <laughs> listen, dude, I understand that you know. At a certain point in your life, you're gonna get that Captain Kirk fantasy. Just, just let it pass, man. At least, at least pursue it with a lady with, with fewer than five, or with with no more than one uh, mouthful of of uh, of of giant sharp teeth, as opposed to <laughs> several dozen of them, like Arule has. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, um, eventually the cops show up, and Doctor Strange uh, hands him over, hands Daryl over to them. And here's soon, a, here's a mostly naked guy. You deal with it. There's been superhero stuff. You guys know what to do. They're like, you got it, buddy. <laughs> do the do a little two finger salute, and then take him to the drunk tank. Basically. Meanwhile, as dawn breaks, Doctor Strange returns to Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, magically sews up his broken bottle wound in his back, and. As he sort of sees um, Daryl's Daryl's wife and uh, Sarah Wolf, and she's Sarah's confr- consoling the wife of Doctor Strange, is like, "Hey, like I found your husband. There's no need to worry." And she and he, she, and Sarah basically says, "Like, listen, we know you found him because while he was in police custody, distraught about his lost green Medusa lady, he killed himself." He uh, grabbed an officer's gun and shot himself in the stomach. He died in pain. And the last thing he said was, I Rulier. 
the end. <laughs> Jeez, Conrad. I oh man, this is this is one of those bummer issues again. This one isn't isn't as big a bummer as the biggest bummer issue, but I, it's still one, a pretty big bummer, dude. It's still a pretty big bummer, absolutely. Like like a guy shot himself in the stomach. We're really like this is. I'm um, I'm not gonna lie to you, Drew. Um, we're in a six issue arc of Doctor Strange that oh, is no. going to be about 90% bummers. Oh. <laughs> Maybe not to this level, but it's it's a bummer series, all right? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to be funny. That guy was distraught because he tried to have a midlife crisis, but instead of just going with like an intern or a candy striper or something at his uh, medical job, he had to summon a lady from beyond the stars covered in toothy mouths and then it didn't work out because Doctor Strange is a spoil sport. <laughs> Anyhow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Doctor Strange 77 from June 1986. Cat. And that's K-H-A-T. Peter B. Gillis writer, Chris Warner pencils, Randy Emberlin inks, Bob Sharon colors, Janice Chang letterer, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor in chief. Hey Drew. Yes. Do you remember several episodes ago, there were some monks, they were looking for a reincarnated llama, and they found him as sort of a blonde American guy who lived on a golf course. I remember that dude being pretty obsessed with uh, TV and pizza. He loved TV and he loved pizza. All right. So now we rejoin that guy. Um, Oh, hey. Arnie Green, llama of the Temple of Camertage, which... Wait, that sounds familiar. ...we'll also remember is where Doctor Strange meant to go find the Ancient One in the Doctor Strange movie, which, oh, honestly, right. I hadn't thought of it before, but yes, like, the movie... <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we need to find a, a section of Doctor Strange that no one really talks about to get most of the words and lore to for the our mid-80s. movie. Let's go to these mid Let's go to the mid-80s. They aren't collected anywhere. Uh, no one knows about them. Nobody really talks about it, so I think we'll be okay. Like just, just get that Peter Gillis stuff. You know, it's fine, but it's just not the noteworthy <laughs> stuff. I okay. Just, Anyhow, just a, quick, just a quick thing about the movie. I'm, I am a little disappointed that there wasn't like some just random blonde dude hanging around a Carmitage in the movie. Well, yeah. Now I feel like just the name, honestly. <laughs> Like that would have been an ultra deep cut, but the name I didn't even. I, I've got a Doctor Strange podcast with thirty four, we thirty four episodes up until this point, and I didn't know the Camertage <laughs> came from one of these comics. All right, so all right, that's it fair. was deep, okay. a, a deep enough cut already. I could have gone deeper. <laughs> could have gone deeper. You can always go deeper, of course. But anyhow, so we're at Camertage. Uh, Arnie Green's doing llama stuff. There's one llama who had to stay back at the communications hut as punishment where the satellite dish that uh, lets him watch MTV is up. And he comes, ru- and this monk comes running into like the main hall of the temple like with urgent news. Basically, I guess where they are in Kamertaj is a protectorate of India in the Himalayas. Okay. Like it's not they're they're their own nation essentially, but they're under the protection of of India. And recent border friction between India and China means that 
the Indian Minister of Defense has decided, has stated on the General Assembly of the United Nations that they will station soldiers in various regions, including Kamartaj, of, the, of their protectorates along the Himalayas. The prospect of troops being stationed in Kamartaj does not please Arnie or the Lama within him, and he gets angry and screams, Curse the man! Oh, in dang. the Holy of Holies, and is quickly told by his um, subordinates that, like, you can't mess around with that stuff in here because you are a being of extreme spiritual power in a room full of, you know, in the place that makes you the most powerful and has a bunch of spells and other things lying around and it's just like light matches in the in the uh in the gunpowder room basically right which we see as one of the many candles inside the sanctuary suddenly fizzles out huh and we go to ah dr strange in the sanctum sanctorum meditating thinking about all the ladies in his life oh yeah yeah yeah, he's got um, Victoria, um, old school uh, Doctor Strange lady Victoria Bentley, uh, current girlfriend Morgana Le Fay, uh, business associate um, Sarah Wolf, recent make outer Topaz, and he kind of talks about Clea, but she doesn't actually she, her face doesn't actually show up in the montage of his thoughts, but. Basically, he's kind of thinking about, you know, up until this point, Doctor Strange really hasn't, even though he's had a, you know, a living girlfriend in the form of Clea, like, he hasn't been a super, like, sexual dude, basically. Right. Um, and sort of Topaz making out with him has somehow maybe caused him to doubt or um, feel... I just want to, I feel like you, I want to say, like, feel a certain kind of way about not being super involved with the ladies that much, I guess. Um, this leads him to think about, like, um, and then that's been sort of exacerbated by the events of last issue, where, like, he saw Daryl, um, like, you know, kill himself, basically, for the love of a mystic, extra-dimensional green space lady. Um, right, right, right. And he's sort of like, well, like, man, the lengths he went for love, like, maybe, I, I don't know, have I known love? Or it's making me cause, has some questions. He starts to actually um, summon the Orb of Agamotto to bring Daryl back to life and ask him some questions about relationship stuff. And is then like, what am I doing? I got to stop doing this. This is a bad path. And, yeah, he's just going to tell you to, like, go hang out with some weird green snake-headed yeah, lady exactly so yeah. instead he goes down to the kitchen to talk to his buddies where you know um they're all watching tv and it turns out they're watching uh the indian defense minister address the united nations this okay. is a sarah topaz and wong as he addresses them he suddenly begins to choke and as he chokes he like as he collapses from choking, we see that his mouth is full of military medals, which now start to bulge his, bulge his cheeks and pour out of his mouth. Oh, alrighty. He's been cursed. He's cursed. You're cursed. You're cursed. You're cursed. Um, Topaz also thinks this is hilarious, even though the uh, this guy's probably dying from mystically created medals uh, filling his lungs and stuff. And when and so she laughs and Sarah calls her on her like what do you do why are you laughing at that's not funny and she's like oh man I don't know what's funny or not I only got half a soul I'm topaz I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Meanwhile, Doctor Strange flies off to the UN to uh, check the things out and sort of you know it's it's funny because 
as he flies off, uh, Arnie, the llama, calls calls the Sanctum Sanctorum to sort of be like, um, hey, I might have cursed somebody. <laughs> and Wong's like, oh, yeah, he's on the way, basically. No, no, he's, he's taking care of it. So Don't you worry about it. Doctor Strange intuits that someone who was injured at the UN would probably be taken to the Lennox Hill Medical Center, which he then flies to, as he um, then changing into doctor clothes as he does. A nurse confirms his suspicion, and he magically changes to scrubs and sort of catches up with the surgeon who's about to operate on the ambassador and is allowed to enter the operating room and sort of figure things out where presumably Doctor Strange will magic this guy up and, and help him out and stuff. As he does do this, though, Drew... Yes? A mysterious figure sits upon the bed of the Indian defense minister. It looks pretty weird. He it is a being. He introduces himself as a cat. K-H-A-T. It serves the Lord Eric Khan to do mischief on his behalf. Because has done nothing wrong. And though he had been bound by the priests of Kamartaj by their foul spell tonight, this one is free to do have wonderful fun. Uh-oh. And the cat's basically a big bipedial um, dude. He's got huge claws. He's just, his face is just big red eyes and a thousand jagged teeth. And he sort of hangs out a claw and says, like, this guy's been cursed and I'm going to mess him up right in front of you. And there's nothing you can do, Dr. Strange, because you suck. <laughs> um, Dr. Strange responds essentially with, hey, I don't suck. How about that? And I'm protecting this guy with the crimson bands of Sidorak. And they'll protect him from your, from your fiendish attempt, uh, fiendish attack. And Cat's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, we want to play with magic? Because I can play with magic, buddy. And suddenly Cat disappears and Doctor Strange hears a massive cry go out from, the, from everyone in the hospital. And as he flies through, he sees every patient begin to erupt in boils and sores as Cat uh, spreads some kind of plague magic through the entire hospital. So I have a question here. Yeah. All right. Doctor Strange changed from his garb into doctor's clothes and then into scrubs. Yes. Why is he then taking off the scruffs to change back into... Um, maybe he... Um, okay, that's a good question. Yeah. We see him in, like, scrubs start to wash up and stuff. So maybe that's sort of an extra gown that, like, gets put on him. Like, you know, a gown and a head thing and stuff and a, and a face mask. He didn't want right. to magic those. Right. He wanted to have mundane ones so he'd actually be sterile. You know, we okay. see as he enters the operating theater... Yeah, there's actually see, someone no, holding he's not it out for him. Actually, wearing it and like a, an assistant is actually putting that on him. Yeah. So okay, that makes sense. Never mind. All right. No, no. Good to good to call it out. Good setup and then execution for that. I feel yeah. like. <laughs> but so this sort of flashes Doctor Strange back to basically the moment where he became sort of arrogant Doctor, um, arrogant bad Doctor Doctor Strange, like he as a as a resident where he'd work where he worked many hours in a row and just everybody kept dying over the course of a shift no matter what he did. And eventually he came to a point where he was just um, like, I don't want to be responsible for saving people's lives. I just want to like make money and be a callow youth, basically. <laughs> Doctor Strange reminded of that um, sort of 
confronts, tries to confront Cat and say, like, hey, I've changed, but Cat's got some real truth for Doctor Strange. Like, you were cold and arrogant as a surgeon, Stephen, but I've got news for you. You're just as cold and arrogant as a magician. You waltz in somewhere, have your, um, wave your hands, and then leave, figuring you fixed it all fine and dandy, arrogant and cold. And sort of makes Doctor Strange question, like, his sense of love and other things like that. Which, striking a chord with Doctor Strange, allows Cat to attack him and the two of them to be transported to Cat's world, where now it's time for a huge, big cat fighting showdown, man. <laughs> cat fight. <laughs> yeah, but it's with an H, so it's different, buddy. Oh, right. It's a Kajat fight or something. Something. <laughs> um. Doctor Strange sort of... So Cat sort of continues his verbal barrage and making Doctor Strange question whether he's able, been able to know or feel love or anything like that. Doctor Strange actually seems to break from this. Like, he's super-duper bummed about um, his the state of his relationships. But mostly, <laughs> it's just there as an opening for Cat to rip the crap out of his shirt and then apply his claws to the Cloak of Levitation, ripping it into shreds. Conrad, Conrad, yeah. Conrad. Yeah. What's the matter? Cat got your tongue. Cat got your cloak <laughs> of levitation, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. Get off my podcast, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but Doctor Strange realizes that by admitting these weaknesses and that he has been kind of arrogant and cold, that now he can recover from them and triumph. And this realization lets him burn Cat to the ground, buddy. You're out of here. And so Wildcat has been um, destroyed, and Doctor Strange sort of returns to the center of the medical center, all um, ripped up and broken and stuff. He's managed to cure the people in the hospital, and sort of Arnie Green like telepaths him and says, like, hey, uh, just want to apologize. You know, things got a little out of hand. Oh, hey, dude. Hope, hope, hope everything's cool where you guys are. We're trying to lift the curse. Everything should be good. And Doctor Strange is like, uh, yeah, everything's under control, Arnie. Like, good timing, man. And my cloak of levitation is broken, and I had to have an epiphany. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, and Arnie's like, okay, cool. I guess I got a lot to learn. And Doctor Strange is like, yeah, I guess we all do. So <laughs> that's sort of the end of that episode. Oh, jeez. Which takes us directly. So now Doctor Strange's cloak is broken, buddy. It's like, it's all ripped to shreds and he can't fly with it. Not, well, it's certainly not going to be the last time that happens. It's true. Which takes us to Doctor Strange 78 from August 1986. Cloaks and daggers. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what they did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter B. Gillis, writer, Chris Warner, pencils, Randy Emberland, inks, Bob Sharon, colors, Janice Chang, letterer, um, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, Cloak of Levitation, it's busted. Yeah. Doctor Strange tries to fix it. He thinks he's got an idea of it and sort of sets it to start mending. Meanwhile, Topaz shows up and she's like, oh, I'm a sexy lady, but I only have half a soul and it's messing me up. Uh, and so Doctor Strange says, all right, let's figure out this soul thing once and for all. And he takes her 
into one of the deep, deep dark levels of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And it's basically like every once in a while, like on Doctor Who, where they suddenly have a bunch of money and it's like, hey, let's go to one of the back rooms of um, of the TARDIS, you know? Like we have sets, but we don't have money for people. So let's have make it a TARDIS episode, you know? Right. And they go to sort of uh, doorway beyond doorways and what Doctor Strange calls his, uh, ex- his uh, chamber of extrospection. Like... They, Seeing outside of yourself? That's right. Okay. He opens a gateway to start to search for to- the re- other half of Topaz's soul. They The doorway s- travels through space, and they feel the cold darkness of space uh, closing in on them. But before they can go further, they hear Sarah Wolf's voice from upstairs. And they come running after her, up to her, and inside the Sanctum Sanctorum... Or inside one of the, you know, in the in, in Doctor Strange's study, there's a huge ruckus. And as they enter, they see that flying around the cloak of levitation is a huge mass of odds and sods and mystic thingamajigs that have apparently been lifted up in a huge storm by the cloak of levitation. Because Doctor Strange just doesn't know that much about fixing magic cloaks. And his attempt to do so has just caused a huge storm of magical activity. Huh. He's got to undo his fixes to the cloak, and he's basically like, I got to find another way to fix this thing. Yeah, so Doctor Strange has to go off and figure out another method for cloak fixing. Meanwhile, in Marseille, France, a young man um, dies from an overdose. Or, no, sorry. A a young lady dies from an overdose. Aw, dang. Everybody around the body is like, I don't know what could have caused it. Like, what sort of drug she was taking, I'm not aware. But whatever it was, it was incredibly dangerous. Um, you know, she, to give a healthy woman a heart attack, there's no, re, there's no street drug I know that could have done this. But on a nearby rooftop, there is someone who does know Cloak of Cloak and Dagger. Now, I don't... I'll admit, I don't know a ton about Cloak and Dagger, Drew. Um, I all that clear on them either yeah i, I keep... know a little bit about their uh ultimate universe incarnations but like regular marvel universe i'm not super clear yeah. on i believe so i know that they were like drug addicts and they took a certain drug that gave them superpowers um right and now they sort of fight drug dealers essentially yeah i'm i'm not sure if that means if they were mutants and it did something, or if there's some other reason why that happened, I'm gonna do a deep dive of um, cloak and dagger research, and I'll have it all for next week, which is good because that's when we'll be in strange tales and cloak and dagger are gonna be a big part of the show. But for right now, <laughs> the big thing you gotta know is uh, there's this guy cloak. He's um, an African American guy, or he's got the face of an African American guy, but mostly he's just a. Uh, black and blue striped cloak with a big darkness in the middle. He hates drug dealers. He can pull you inside his cloak and there you kind of freeze to death in the darkness of darkness, basically. Yep. So, he's hunting the drug dealers that were dealing the drugs that killed the young woman. He sort of continues through Marseille and finds some uh, some guy dealing, you know, some guy selling drugs to another guy in like a back alley. Cloak attacks and questions him he finds out that there is that um the drugs are coming from this lady named mademoiselle deladier in um in the north of the city and dr St- and uh nah, no cloak decides to go off and um t- you know settle her hash basically 
Right. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange is like, I can't do nothing until I've fixed the Cloak of Levitation. And so he casts a series of spells that ends up teleporting him to, I'd say, just sort of a generic mystical land, I guess. Yeah, it looks fairly mystical. Yeah, a strange world, but in that strange world is a big old house that has a uh, the m- master mystic tailor Enit Tharmon, who is kind of a purple lizard dude in like a smock, right. who can pl- uh, pluck the thread of your fate out of the air and taste it and know what's going on with you. Oh, dang. As he does with Doctor Strange, identifying him as being from Earth, basically. Um, the dimension that some call Eden, home of the great celestials and an old bastion against the dread Dormammu. Um, Doctor Strange basically says, like, hey, I, I got this cloak of levitation. Uh, it's busted. Can you help me out? And he's like, oh, my God. What have you done? What have you done to the cloak? Oh, geez, it's the greatest thing. Oh, man, it's it's ruined. It's yeah. What have you done? Oh, God. It's not ruined, but he says that while he didn't make the cloak, he can repair it. It'll take time and a price he will name later. Meanwhile, uh, you know. That sounds ominous. While I'm, while I'm busy, why don't you just sort of wander around the shop and maybe get in an, adve- in an adventure as you do? <laughs> Uh, what? Meanwhile, back in Marseille at the host of Mademoiselle Deladier, a cloak shows up and, like, yells at her and says, like, hey, you're selling poison to people. Like, that's not cool. And she's like, I've broken no law because the drugs that I sell are so new, they don't even have laws outlawing them yet. So whatever, get out of here. Um, you don't scare me because I'm cool and my bangs are out of control. <laughs> call me ecstasy which maybe actually this might predate an actual drug called ex- the actual drug ecstasy I'm not sure on my timing for that probably that not actually question. but Cloak pulls ecstasy uh, Mademoiselle Deladere into his uh, Cloak body which usually sort of makes, makes people be judged and like come out all scared and stuff but in this case He's like, something's wrong. And then he himself, the cloak, swirls around him, and he gets sucked up inside his own cloak. Oh, no. Oh, no. Meanwhile, uh, Doctor Strange is wandering around the uh, mystic clothing shop, finds some curtains that opens to darkness, and he's like, huh, this looks like an adventure. Maybe I should ask. And he's like, hey, do you mind if I have an adventure in your uh, back room here? And the tailor's like, yeah, go ahead. Have fun storming yeah. the castle. Yeah, sure, kid. Whatever. Do what you're gonna do. Doctor Strange comes through and finds himself inside the shadow realm that is usually a Cloak's domain, but he finds out that Cloak has suddenly been returned to full human. Usually he's just sort of a face animate inside his big cloak, but now he's like a naked dude wearing a purple or a, a blue and black cloak as ecstasy now covered in sh- in swirling shadows that cover her naked body is like oh i'm the prefer i'm a better instrument of shadow than you ever were cloak i'm gonna kill you in the darkness of the shadow dimension that seems like a problem yeah look good thing dr strange showed up yeah um there they sort of have a big wizard fight back and forth a lot of discussion of um like legal um there's a lot of stuff about like the legalities of drugs and stuff which are like you know like can it be immoral if you're selling something that isn't even illegal to people and stuff which is kind of whatever i don't know 
And that's just sort of the nature of um, basically what drug dealers say to uh, make themselves feel better about themselves, I guess. Right, Right. okay. Um, But there's a big confrontation, and basically everything's brought back the way it is. Um, Deladere, or uh, Ecstasy, sort of yells at Doctor Strange and is like... Hey, like I haven't done anything. I, I'm 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 sticking to my I haven't done anything wrong point. And like you think you're big time Doctor Strange, but you know we'll meet again, and then I'll settle your hash. And that's basically how it goes. Oh, okay. It's kind of a pause. I feel like we're gonna see, be seeing more of this character um, in Strange Tales once we kind of get into a Doctor Strange and then Cloak and Dagger type situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We go ahead to Doctor Strange 79 from October 1986. Uh, the cov- um, This is a real cool episode um, issue, I gotta say. It's called Fair uh, Fata Morgana. Peter B. Gillis writer, Chris Warner pencils, Randy Emberlin inks, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colors, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. Just, just going by the cover of this one, I can already tell there's going to be some strange things happening here. Do you the see cover- what I just did there? Do you, do, you see, do you see what I just did there? You shouldn't feel good about yourself, Drew. You shouldn't <laughs> feel good about nothing. But the cover is pretty neat. It shows Doctor Strange with a big f- uh, four-sided spear going through his chest. And then uh, Morgana, I think, or like some sort of dark-haired lady in Doctor Strange clothes holding a magic sword standing over his body. It's pretty awesome. I wonder what but this could be. The comic opens with sort of a sci-fi gladiatorial setting as like a champion's fight for honor and so forth. It's pretty awesome. The sounds of war. As these kind of, I don't know, they look kind of He-Man-y to me, I'd say. Um, kind of mystic demon guys. No, yeah. No, definitely. Like intricate armor with like weird fang yeah. creatures in various places. Yeah. Yeah. One one guy manages to win and is chosen by this wizard lord to, by, by this wizard lord who um has is getting re- champions together to, to because he's heard of the most powerful wizard in this galaxy. He's heard of it from a certain soul that he has half of. The other half uh, knows this wizard by very well. The wizard named Doctor Strange. Oh, so, so this evil dude with his um, purple one-piece swimsuit and pet dragon, um, as he do, appears to have the other half of Topaz's soul and has used it to get info on Doctor Strange. Aha! So we cut to the Sanctum Sanctorum where Doctor Strange is getting out of a cab because while he got um, instant travel to Marseille, he did not get instant travel back. <laughs> um, oh, that's... That's a bummer. Yeah. He comes back to, to uh, basically, he basically mystically sort uh, sedates uh, Topaz, who's going pretty nuts, and then uh, overhears Sarah Wolf on the phone and sees that Sarah's talking to Dr. Strange's girlfriend, Morgana, and says, uh, you know, uh, hey, Morgana, blessing. Like, you're my girlfriend, and I've been a real bad boyfriend because I've been saving the world and had to blow off all of our dates and stuff. So let's go out on a date tonight. And they agree, and it works out. Good times. All right. He also uh, sends Wong and um, Sarah off to do stuff. Uh, Doctor's orders, because everybody's been sitting around the sanctum too much. (laughs) So here's how it goes. Date night. 
Doctor Doctor Strange wearings, is wearing a ridiculous white suit and is greeted by Morgana Blessing, who is wearing a leather jacket with shoulder pads that, if you wore them today, would be incredibly comical. Um, oh, wow. Those are the, some pronounced shoulders. Yeah. The two of them meet and sort of Doctor Strange sort of... And they kind of talk about music. And she's like, well, what, you know, I thought we'd go to a salsa bar after this. And Doctor Strange is like, my knowledge of nightlife is more about uh, death cults than salsa bars. And she's like, well, what kind of music do you like? Do you like uh, Tibetan Temple Bells, Brian Eno, Shadowfax, Bach, Ruben Blades, Twisted Sister? And Doctor Strange is like, I don't listen to music. I'm too busy being Doctor Strange, <laughs> essentially. Dang. As, he, as this is happening, Topaz kind of wakes up in the empty Sanctum Sanctorum and is drawn back to the Chamber of Ectrospection, where she finds that same window that we were looking through last episode that went into space. And then in space, we see the silhouette of the evil overlord guy who sent his champion to fight Doctor Strange. And indeed, at that moment, as Morgana and Doctor Strange talk, as Morgana and Steven talk, they are suddenly assaulted! And this big green skin, orange armored dude is like, Doctor Strange, I've come to kill you. My armor is proof against all your spells. And my hands are magician's death. And oh, it's cool. They start fighting <laughs> around this restaurant. Doctor Strange realizes that his usual blasting spells aren't going to work. He grabs a butter knife and casts him in and invests it with, mag- with mystical power, basically turning into a, in, into a lightsaber. That's and pretty rad. The I two wish of I them, that. yeah, they have a super dope spear sword fight, basically. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, oh, you know, Wong and Sarah sort of talk about how they can't go out with each other, and it's like whatever. Meanwhile, uh, Topaz is communing with the spirit of the evil overlord guy. That seems bad. Yep. Yeah. So the fight continues. Doctor Strange versus this evil champion, and suddenly. After a fate and then a throw, Doctor Strange takes the champion's mystic spear right to the gut. Uh... And he's dying, bro. Yeah. He, man- he manages to astral project right at the last minute so he doesn't die all the way. But um, the, uh, the, the, the champion actually sees this or senses it and is like, I know you're still here, sorcerer. Like, show yourself and fight me. And Doctor Strange does. He, 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 his spirit enters the body of Morgana Blessing, essentially possessing her. And she does some quick magic stuff, puts on the amulet of Agamotto, picks up the magic lightsaber, and stands as Lady Doctor Strange. Then turn, demon, for Doctor Strange stands ready, this time as a lady. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, Doctor Strange said he wanted more more together time with Morgana, but I'm pretty sure he didn't mean like this. It's true. As the fight goes on, unfortunately, like their incomplete bond and definitely Morgana's lack of hardcore mystical training uh, causes problems. She can't maintain the sword and it reverts eventually to a butter knife. She can't harness the power of the uh, Eye of Agamotto to try to blast this guy. In the end, in a desperate um, attempt... uh, Morgana, uh, Morgana Strange casts an evil spell. Um, oh. A spell that 
doesn't even use conventional like script. It's just a bunch of like sort of gibberish lines and stuff like that, which is not well as we know par for the course for Doctor Strange. Usually, it's rhyming, rhyming couplets and stuff. Right. But in this case, fire leaps from the ground and appears that that uh, Morgana Strange is called upon Satanish to destroy the champion and just bring him like drag him down to hell and destroy him completely. Uh. And but to do so, it was he. You know, he's been part of a black magic, and this is something that will stain him forever. But it's tough because even as this is happening, Doctor Strange lies dying, and he re- and Morgan and his bot and his mind inside Doctor Strange's and his mind inside Morgana's body realizes that all of this, the attack by the champion, even his own death, was a feint, was a distraction. And the real thing, yeah, as he and Morgana, like you know, him, his spirit inside Morgana's body, runs toward the Sanctum Sanctorum, takes place. The Sanctum is engulfed in fiery lightning, and the entire house rips off from the sidewalk and blasts off into space. That seems uh, like a problem. He hears, a, they hear a voice in their head. I thank you, Doctor Strange. The treasures of this house of yours should increase my powers immensely. I consider it a gift from one Sorcerer Supreme to the next. That seems like a problem. Oh, it's cool, buddy. <laughs> Sanctum Sanctorum's just a smoking hole. Actually, I think it's like the, the second time this has happened. Uh, but it's still <laughs> it's still pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> And inside, and by the way, the house is gone, and with it, Topaz and Wong, which is bad. Uh, <laughs> Morgana uh, passes out and reverts back to her regular clothes as the body of Doctor Strange is lifted into a hospital, is, is lifted into an ambulance, and the paramedics are like, hey, I don't know if this guy's going to even survive the trip there, you know? Oh, dang. And we jump to Doctor Strange 80 from December 1986. Don't pay the ferryman. Peter B. Gillis writer, Chris Warner pencils, Randy Emberland and Scott Williams inks, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colors, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. And we start off with some ER stuff as just a bunch of guys on a gurney push the injured Doctor Strange to an operating room as a strange blue stain instead of blood appears from his wound in his midsection. I'm not a medical professional, but that seems like a problem. Yep, get him to the OR. Across town in the smoking hole that used to be the Sanctum Sanctorum, um, <laughs> Morgana Blessing is being loaded into an ambulance and Sarah Wolf joins her as Doctor Strange manages to astral project out of her body and starts talking to Sarah, sort of explaining the situation. He says that, um, he basically says like, hey Sarah, like, I'm not going to change your clothes, but I need you to pull the Amulet of Agamotto off of Morgana's body and wear it yourself. I'm going to sort of possess you lightly for a little bit um, as we try to get stuff going to fight off this new menace. This, uh, okay, sure, all right. (laughs) Meanwhile, in a whole different dang planet, I don't even know, uh, the Sanctum Sectorum has landed and Topaz and Wong are like, or Wong's looking out the window like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And Topaz is like, hey, let's, uh, I feel my soul out there, so I should probably head out and just, you know, I'm just going to go pick up my soul. 
and nah, everything's going to be fine. Nah, no, no, nah, <laughs> and no. Nope. Wong basically points out the window and is like, "Hey, so like, as opposed to New York City, uh, this place is full of biomechanical creations and loincloth, multicolored dudes with uh, giant weapons, just trying to." break through our doors and stuff, and only the long-term defenses of the Sanctum Sectorum are keeping us safe, and, uh, you know... So maybe don't go outside? Just and maybe? then, yeah, although that's not even going to matter, because a bunch of guys just brought up a big magical bazooka, and uh, it's destroyed all the defenses in the house, and they're Ooh. inside... Uh, we've been hit by flats of bl- or you know, my judo does nothing. We've both been hit by the flats of their blades put in green uh, Ziploc bags, mystic Ziploc bags. Yes, sure. Uh, Got to keep them fresh. And we're being brought to the evil master. Meanwhile, Sarah Wolf with the amulet and Doctor Strange's spirit in tow. Uh, is infiltrating the hospital and basically mystically convincing people to allow Sarah to take part in the operation on Doctor Strange because there could be mystical junk going on. Right. It turns out that's a pretty good bet as they perform an operation and suddenly, like, giant um, bacteria start coming out of Doctor Strange's chest cavity and um, attacking doctors and stuff. That seems like a problem. And only Sarah Wolf, uh, magically empowered, sort of casting spells at people, is blasting them off, basically. Um, meanwhile, back in the alternate dimension thing, we basically see the evil, this evil, um, sorcerer, ma- you know, magic space guy, um, like, both tempting, um, Topaz with the other half of her soul, and yelling at Wong, saying that, like, Doctor Strange is not as tough as he thinks he is, and now that he's stolen all of Doctor Strange's mystical stuff, he'll become even more powerful, and he intends to use his power. So he intends to usurp Doctor Strange and become the new Sorcerer Supreme of our galaxy and then turn our world into another dark dimension. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, doc- back at the operating room, Doctor Strange continues helping uh, the surgery, eventually ending with um, him trying to magically force Sarah to actually do surgery on him, like, you know, scalpel into his heart and stuff. Uh, Sarah can't handle the pressure, and, like, her hands start shaking, and she drops the scalpel, and things look and things start looking bad. Oh, did... Oh, oh, may have just accidentally killed Strange. How, how bad does it look, Drew? Well... Really bad. It looks so bad that our old buddy... Um, Valkyrie? That, our old buddy Valkyrie, in her official job as Valkyrie, Uh-oh. has shown up and said, Hey, Doctor Strange, let's go to Valhalla. It'll be awesome. Uh-oh. Doctor Strange is like, No, I gotta live. And Valkyrie's like, uh, No, you're, you're, you're dead, pretty dead. You're, you're pretty dead, guy. This is where you're going. This is where you're bound. At this point, we, um, we actually get an interesting little plot thing where... We, um, we we hear the family members that Doctor Strange will be will see when he goes to heaven or the afterlife, I suppose. Um, and one of them is like, you know, the ancient one awaits you, your mother, your father, even your Alice. And Doctor Strange is like, Alice, I had almost forgotten. And I don't know no Alice, dude. Uh, Alice I Strange. I, know Alice. I don't remember it from our previous um, stories. I gotta say. Oh, it's it's not from the previous stories. It's actually, I think, 
maybe the character from the 2007 movie might be the most closest reference. Yeah, it's either that or from the um from the I think in the J Michael Straczynski like uh six six issue one like the reboot. Uh-huh. He had a um like a sister named Alice perhaps. Yeah. But I don't want to um I don't want to verify. I don't I don't want I don't want to speak um like 100% on that. We're going to see who Alice is, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. it's a good good dangling plot line. Let's keep an eye out for it. Oh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so, Doctor Strange magics backs in and through his various in, um interventions sort of flying around the operating room manages to save his own life through magic and surgery combined. It's then as sort of Sarah and Doctor Strange sort of talk, you know, one person to mystic ghost thing that his body's finally saved that suddenly a mysterious dark figure appears behind them. They both react in horror as they hear the words, Doctor Strange, I have come for you. Uh. And that's it. Uh. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Uh. Cliffhanger, oh. buddy. Oh, boy. It's awesome. So what do you think about the comics this week, Drew? That's it. Uh, it's pretty intense, man. Yeah, we're really building. I um, the one thing I will say is that I feel like they kind of knew Doctor Strange was ending, so they're trying to really go out with a bang, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Like volume one of Doctor Strange ended super abruptly. Like there was a cliffhanger at the end of that one that it just said like tune in next week to Doctor Strange, and it was, you know there was no way of no. Like the yeah. only reason it was continued was just because. The author at the time, Roy Thomas, was also writing like The Incredible Hulk and Namor, and so he was able to like continue the stories there, you know? So with this one, they're building up to a super epic confrontation, and I'm really excited about it. He's lost his cloak, he's lost his body, he's on his back foot 100% against this seemingly unstoppable enemy in the evil... Uh, Earthona, who's the this uh, the Overlord guy, who I don't think I said his name previously, but that's who he is, Earthona, with a U. <laughs> He's got a gray thing and kind of a one piece metal metal uh, bathing suit kind of thing going on. Anyhow, <laughs> it's very exciting. Next, um, or I should say, if you want to uh, contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram at strangerbythedozen, Twitter at strangerbythedozen, or our podcast network site at cradaline.com. During the week, I'll put up a bunch of images from these issues so you can see what all these crazy space guys look like on your own, as well as the very cool uh, Morgana as Doctor Strange. I think it's a really good look. So keep an eye out. Doctor Strange is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Then tune in next week as we reach the dramatic conclusion to the comic book, Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, and then return to Strange Tales. It's another anthology book, just like we had back in the day with Human Torch and then uh, Nick Fury, but in this case, it's going to be half Cloak and Dagger and half Doctor Strange. We'll be doing light Cloak and Dagger coverage. I'm just going to try to say what the very high points of what happens in those ones. I think it's important to hear what happens in both stories. Cause I think that's fun, but we are going to try our best to not become also a cloak and dagger comic or right. p- podcast. <laughs> right. I'm sure somebody else out there somewhere is covering that. I mean, you know, at the very least, this will just be a little place to talk about it in, um, in advance of their TV show, which I think is coming up in a, in sometime this year. I think I forget. 
uh, pretty soon on Netflix, I want to say. Oh, it's uh, coming. Yeah, sorry. Net, uh, ABC or Netflix um, in 2018. Okay. They've casted it, though, so whatever. Um, Excellent. <laughs> and so until, ne- until next time, faithful listener, I say, Your master has never bested any of the lords of chaos, little one. He has barely even held his ground. For power corrupts, and those who will not be corrupted can hence never use their power. Order hobbles itself with discipline, with obligations, while power lies waiting to be used. You have lived with your master. You know that the dimensions of infinity like this one, with galaxies and planets, are by far the minority. The rest are dark dimensions, twisted by the will of great beings to suit their whims and wills. And this cosmos waits to be so twisted. Nor will any sorcerer who cramps his mind with duty and morality be able to stop me as I turn this cosmos into a dark dimension. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host, Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.